Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hey, hello. How are you, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of The Burt Not Ernie Show. Um, here we are. We're all locked and loaded and ready for another episode, and this is number 17. Today, we're going to take a look at a few verses, like a little short passage, a snippet from the New Testament book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6 of Matthew, and the verses are going to be verses 31, 32, and 33. So, okay, now these verses, I just, I got to tell you straight up, I just have to tell you, from the very get-go, the very start of this episode, These verses are promises that can totally encompass every single part of our lives, big or small, um, through thick or thin, whatever you're going through, whatever stage of life you're at, no matter if you're young or old, retired or in college, a stay-at-home mom or a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, uh, rich or poor, been a Christ follower for five minutes or 55 years does not matter. These words of Jesus can take on anything, and I do mean anything that your life has to offer. If you're bringing it, this little passage from the Word of God is up to the challenge. It's it's up for the task. It's good stuff, really good stuff here in Matthew 6, like life-altering kind of stuff. And by life-altering, what I mean when I say that is life-giving, life-giving stuff. This right here is truly the good stuff, and the good stuff is what really makes up the good life. So that's kind of my preface. Like I want you to come into this from the very first little itty bitty moment that I start reading God's word here in a second. And I want you to just think this applies to all of my life. This applies to all of my life. Have your heart open to hear what the Lord would say to you, I guess would be a quicker way of saying all that that I just said. So, okay. So we're going to look at these verses first from the New Living Translation. Um, and I'll read it from a couple other translations and I'll put all of the different versions in the show notes, but the NLT is where we're going to start today. So Jesus is speaking here and anytime we're reading words in red, that's a really good time to kind of just lean in a little closer or a lot closer really. And just to get the heart of the Lord for us in whatever he's saying to us. So Jesus is speaking and this this passage, he absolutely is talking about money and possessions. Um, yeah, that's critically important because those are two things that can kind of consume us. If you are a human and you're living on this planet, money and possessions can become all-consuming. And even if they're only like half-consuming, like 50% consuming, not 100% consuming, that's still like way too much. That's way too much consumption. Jesus doesn't want you consumed by anything but him. He is an all-consuming fire and we need to make note of that and remember that anything that possesses you, even a little bit, is not going to be his will if it's not him. 
He is an all-consuming fire. Nothing else needs to consume us. So it is talking about money and possessions, but verse 33, like I said earlier, it really encompasses every aspect of our lives. It shows us what our lives as disciples of the Lord Jesus ought to look like. If you're ever wondering, what is my purpose? You know, what do I, what does my life need to look like? What should I be? What am I missing possibly in life? This verse right here, Matthew 6, 33, it can hold the answer to that. What is the purpose of my life question? This right here is how we got to live. We must live this way in order to be kingdom minded. And if we're not kingdom minded, even as Christians, even as people who are in the word of God, who spend time in prayer, who are part of a local Sunday morning or Saturday night church body, who are in a small group, who are cautious with what we consume. And by that, I don't just mean what we eat. I mean what we consume, what we listen to, what music we listen to, what we look at, what movies we watch, what we read. We can still be sort of um, more self-absorbed and self-focused than we are kingdom-absorbed and kingdom-focused. So this verse, verse 33, shows us how we need to live in order to be kingdom-minded. And really, look, we are one day closer to eternity today than we ever have been before, right? You are not getting younger. I am not getting younger. The clock, the hands of time are not rolling backwards on the clock of my life or yours. So we need to be more kingdom minded every day than we were the day before. That's just, that's wisdom. If we live other ways, we're being foolish. So this is a good word for us. What it says in those three verses are, so don't worry about these things money, possessions, right? He's going to tell us the specific things. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, above all else and live righteously. And he, meaning God, it's a capital H there. He will give you everything you need. Okay, that last sentence I'm going to read it one more time. That last sentence, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's the big time promise. That right there is is what Proverbs called an apple of gold in a setting of silver. That's what a timely word is. When when Solomon wrote Proverbs, uh, the wisest man that ever lived, he, he lived, he taught via Proverbs. Uh, There's uh, Jesus taught in parables. There's sometimes when you have to dig a little bit to get the treasure out of something, that's the best. That's the best stuff. And you actually hold on to it and hang on to it because you did a little work to understand what it means versus just having it spoon fed to you. Sometimes what we're spoon fed, it just kind of dribbles down our chin and we wipe it away with a napkin and it doesn't. It's definitely not um, super vital worth hanging on to. But if you got to dig for something, then it becomes a lot more valuable and you're a lot more likely to hang on to it. The best way to learn something is to teach something, right? I'm sure you've heard that before. I've heard it. It's totally true. You can know something and then you have to go teach it. And it's like, whoa, I know this in a whole way I didn't know before. So if you have to dig a little bit, like to figure out what does it mean to have an apple of gold in a setting of silver? Why is that what a timely word is called in the Old Testament book of Proverbs? Well, because there's so much richness there. It's perfect. It's beauty stacked upon beauty. It's it's wealth stacked stacked up on wealth, right? Gold and silver, very valuable. It's value on top of value. That's what this is, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That's a big time promise. That can cover over every itty bit and every massive part of your life 
right here, right now, today. The other two verses sort of point out to us the raw reality that Jesus, he ain't no chump, folks. He's no chump. He knows full well how much energy we expend on me, 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 me. We fret and we worry and we daydream and we do the mindless scroll, right? You get out your phone and you're just the mindless scroll to try and turn off the worry and the fret and the anxiety and the semi-panicked state that we sometimes live in. Like some of us live in a semi-panicked state about nine-tenths of the time, if we're honest. We do that so effortlessly. We don't even have to think about it. We don't even have to intend to do it. We just we just do. We just fall into this trap of I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm fretting, I'm fearful, I'm confused, I'm concerned. Now I'm going to do the mindless scroll. I'm semi-panicked a lot of the time. And we do that. Um, we need this firm reminder. We do that so much that we need Jesus to firmly say to us, hey, hey, hey there, it's me, the Lord. And I see that yet again, here you are all worried about all the things and all the stuff. He knows about the stuff of life. How does he know? Because he made you. He created life. He's the author of life. So he knows about the stuff of life. Sometimes he has to be really firm, like he was in verse 31 and 32, to get our attention. Like, hey, snapping his fingers. Hey, look over here. Wake up now. Wake up a minute. Wake up to what's really going on instead of you're awake to your fear and your worry and your anxiety. And you're not awake to the kingdom of God moving in your life. So when Jesus tells us that these things dominate, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, that is meant to shock us back to reality. That's meant to convict us that we're not at, we're not living like we really believe in when we're living with letting things dominate our minds, our thoughts, which in end controls our lives, right? If we're letting the things that dominate the lives of unbelievers dominate our lives, we're not living like we really believe him. Do you want people to to look at your life. And hey, newsflash, like it or not, people are looking at your life. They just are. They just are. It's what we do. And we do it now in this social media heavy world that we live in. We do it now better than we've ever done it ever before. Do you want people looking at your life and being surprised that you actually love the Lord? Like shocked, like they can't believe it? To just, to to not equate that with you at all, to not be able to put two and two together to say that person is such a worrier and has so much just, you know, anxiety about all of the things of life. Now, I'm not talking about there are moments we have anxiety and I'm not talking about struggling with um, anxiety, maybe in a, in like a clinical type of way. Please don't mishear me here. I'm not, I am, I sit in judgment over nobody um, except myself before the Lord. Okay. So I'm talking about that. Sometimes we just get so wrapped around the axle about all the things all the time that we live in a state of kind of frenzied anxiety that is not God's will for us. We don't want people to look at us and be like, wow, I never would have guessed in a million years that, that you follow the Lord because you don't look like it. You don't live like it. I don't want people to equate me with worrying and fretting and panicking and living like those who have no hope. And by that, I mean, who don't know Jesus. I don't want them to see that in me. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not how God wants me to live. And it's not how I want to live. We don't, that word dominate. Okay. That word dominate. What it means here is that the most important thing in their thought life, 
what what rules your mind, like literally governs it, rules it. If there are thoughts that are starting with what if, uh oh, is this going to work out? Will that be okay? When? What if? What if? What if? What am I going to do? Ah, if it's that kind of thinking, that's the kind of stuff that has command over your mind um, at times, right? If you're living, letting the worries of the world dominate you, that's the kind of stuff that that is expected to control people who don't know the king of the world, but we do know him. We do know him. So if we're thinking like that too much of the time, that's probably pretty dominant in your real life too. If the stuff you're thinking about starts with what if, uh uh-oh, fear type of, of stuff, on the regular, that's overseeing and exercising control over your thought life and dominating your real life too. I need you to realize that, that what you think about is how you live. That's just, that's just the truth. Hard truth. Yeah, but still the truth. So when worry, 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 worry is the most conspicuous thing, then it's probably become a pretty dangerous thing. When, when a lot of worrying is the most conspicuous thing in your life, it's probably a, the, one of the most dangerous things in your life. Do worrisome thoughts have a commanding influence over you on the regular, on the daily? If so, then, okay, guess what, buddy? This is your promise today. This is the good news. Like There is a solution for that, and the solution is right here in Matthew 6, 33. So now I'm going to read it from the Christian Standard Bible. And my Christian Standard Bible, I have a Charles Spurgeon study Bible that's a, that's a Christian Standard Bible. And I I really do like having Spurgeon quotes and notes on verses kind of scattered throughout as I read. So if you haven't ever looked into that, and maybe you're looking for your next Bible, the Charles Spurgeon study Bible, Christian Standard Bible, might be something worth looking into. I have I have not regretted my purchase of it, not one iota. I really do love it. So it's pretty similar to the New Living Translation. And here's what it says. It says, so don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles? And Gentiles is just another way of saying unbelievers, people who did not know the one true God. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. And then verse 34, I'll read a little bit more from the CSB. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Is that not the truth? It is the truth. We don't always live like it's true. We borrow worry from tomorrow and we pay interest today at an exponentially high rate, like I'd probably like say 75% interest on your peace of mind today goes away because you're paying interest on worries about tomorrow. Uh, the King James, I think, says something like this. It says, sufficient sufficient the day is the evil therein or thereof. You know, there's enough evil coming tomorrow. I don't need to be worrying about tomorrow's evil. It's going to be there. It's It'll be there. If I wake up tomorrow, there's going to be heaviness that comes tomorrow. Today, Today, I need to focus on today and not be worried about tomorrow. Um, And in my Christian Standard Bible, the header for this segment says, in quotes, the cure for anxiety, the cure for anxiety. How great is that? Like, can you think of very many things that are more valuable in our modern society, in this world we live in, than a cure for anxiety? I really cannot. The world needs this. Like, it's tremendous need. It's a huge need. And we as Christians, we have the opportunity to offer this exact cure for the anxious state that pretty much everybody is living in. 
we have the answer. We have the hope. We have the fix. It's that last verse to just live seeking first the kingdom of God. Verse 33, seeking first the kingdom of our God and his righteousness. That means opting, making the choice to live righteously. Now, now listen, that's in the Holy Spirit's power. That's not in my own strength. There is no good thing in me. It's all the Lord doing it, but I can opt to yield to the Holy Spirit and live righteously, live the right way, glorifying God, seeking his will, listening to what he has to say and obeying him and doing it in the Holy Spirit's strength, not in my own. That right there will make a real impact and it will be a big impact. It will be far reaching beyond what you could even imagine. This is the world's pain point. We hear a lot about pain points right now. If you do anything at all, um, even in just the most basic like books and things I've read about podcasting or articles, they talk about here's how you grow an audience. You find their pain point. And honestly, that really rubs me the wrong way. I don't love finding people's pain point. What I do love is um, sharing God's promises and helping people to say, wow, that's true for me. That's my truth. That's my promise. God's got good for me. He loves me. But the whole world has a pain point in the sense of like, there's anxiousness out there. There's worry. There's fret. There's confusion. And we have access all day long to the only pain point that really matters. And that's in saying, whatever your your hurt is, Jesus is real. And he really loves you. And he really wants to be a big part of your life. So you're the Lord's vessel to show the world that the cure for that pain point, for their exact need, is the Lord. Okay, so now we're going to read from, um, well, surprise, surprise, you're never going to guess what version we're going to look at next. It is the Amplified version. I know, it's a total shocker. I am completely unpredictable, right? Like, or I'm a total dork. Yeah, either one is fine by me. Unpredictable, dork, call me either one. So here's what the Amplified says. It says, therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Okay, so don't you just love how Jesus calls it what it is in our lives? I I really love that. There's great freedom that comes from knowing if I go to God's word and I really look at it with um, being willing to see what's what's wrong in my life that he wants to straighten out and make right, he's just going to show me. He's not going to dance around or hem-haw. He's just going to call it what it is. Jesus feels no need to dance around or to take the long way around approach. He knows that time is fleeting and he would rather just get the work done quickly. Now, sometimes he does work slowly, but you know what I'm talking about. Like if if you really want to know what's broken in me that you want to fix, he'll show you and he won't, he won't be hem-hawing around about it. He'll just show you. So he just says it. He point blank states that worrying about your physical needs, and these are three basic life requirements, food, water, clothing, these are real needs. They're, they are requirements to stay alive. He just says these are distractions. What? What? How does that reframe our lives completely? Food and water and clothing equal distractions, according to this verse in the Amplified. Yeah, I, I did say in the beginning that this was going to touch on any and every part of our lives. I did say that and I meant it. It surely for certain does. Okay, so back to the passage now, now we're at verse 32 in the Amplified. For the pagan Gentiles, and pagan isn't meant to be slandering there. It's just another way of saying that don't know the one true God. Uh, those people eagerly seek all these things, but do not worry. I love that. But do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
verse 33, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. And then, of course, the next verse has Jesus telling his listeners, his disciples, to not give even one ounce of thought to tomorrow and its troubles. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. The sun's going to come up in the morning, and if you wake up and you got a pulse, there are going to be problems for the day. Don't get the cart ahead of the horse. Just live today. Okay, so the reason that we don't have to worry about the actual physical needs, the stuff of life, it's right here in this passage. But do not worry. Did you catch that little addition in the Amplified? For your heavenly father knows that you need them. And before it says that, it says, but do not worry. But do not worry. He knows. He knows. How amazing is it to be able to think in whatever moment you find yourself to just be like, oh, he knows. He knows. Yeah. My daddy, he knows. He knows. It's a beautifully comforting truth that we need to make a part of our daily lives. And what does God do with what he knows? What do you think God might do with something that he knows? Does he ignore what he knows? Is he neglectful? No. What he knows is a need, is a need that he will meet. What God knows is a need, is a need that God himself will meet, period. Sometimes I think of it like this. Okay, I want you to really listen because this is going to, you're going to have to listen. This is going to sound funny, but you're going to get it about a second after I say it, okay? Here we go. Do I want to live my way into an early grave by worry and fret and fear and anxiety? And also those things do cause health problems. We know that. So I'm not, it's not hyperbole. I'm not just trying to, to make a point using exaggerative language when I say I can live my way into an early grave with too much worry. That's I can. Do I want to live my way into an early grave or do I want to live all the way into the grave? His kingdom as my priority, doing his will day by day. So what's it going to be? Do you want to live your way into an early grave or live your life right up until you're in the grave? Right? It's pretty much my choice and mine alone. It's your choice and just yours. So one more time, do I want to live my way into an early grave or do I want to live all the way into the grave? Think about that and you decide what you want to do. I know what I want to do. I want to live until the last day I'm living. I do not want to live my way into an early grave with worry. I want to live until the last day I'm living. I want to really live. But the astounding words, right? Let's go back to verse 33. Those astounding, and they are astounding. Those words from verse 33, they're just like life for our souls. They're spiritual life for us. Just to first and most importantly, seek and aim and strive after God's promises and his righteousness, which means the way he does things, which means the way he wants us to do things. His way of being right is having the attitude and character of God, not figuring it out on your own, but doing it his way. We've got the word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit. We can do this. We can do this. And then all these things, and remember, all means all. All always means all. There isn't anything left out. If all means all, then nothing's left out. All encompasses all of the things and all of the needs of your entire life. Then he's promising all these things will. And remember, I need you to go back and double underline when you see will and a promise of God. And then you need to try to say the verse out loud if you possibly can. He will, he will 
gives you all these things also. All these things will be given to you also. That is a whopper of a promise. And that is God's word for you today. Verse 27 of this chapter, so going back a little earlier, it says that you cannot add even one measly hour to your life by all your worrying, by all your fretting, by all your controlling, by all your manipulating. You can't add an hour by any of those efforts. You could you could add an hour just about as easily as you could make up your mind to grow an inch taller because you just set your mind to it. It ain't gonna happen. It's a 0% chance of happening. It's just a complete waste of time. It's way above your pay grade. Nope, nada, nil, not happening. That's God's role and his alone. If he wants you taller, he's gonna make you taller, right? If he wants you to live X number of years, that's how many number of years you're gonna live. You're worrying will not fix any of it. And and Jesus says, if you can't even do that one small thing, then why do you do this as if there's some benefit to it? It just, man, he's good at punking us out, is he not? That's the word of God really is living and active. And it just divides between the thoughts and attitudes of the hearts and mind. He shows you what you need to see if you're willing to open his word and read it. So um, instead of just ripping into us, though, This is, I mean, think about how he shows us what we need to see. He doesn't just rip into us and let us have it. He invites us to live kingdom-minded lives. How can you not love this in this passage? He tells you, X, Y, Z, this is where you're getting it wrong. You're worried about this. It's dominating your life. You're living like an unbeliever. People can't tell that you know me. It's useless. You can't even add an hour to your life or an inch to your stature by living this way. And then he says, I'm not going to let you have it. I'm not going to lamb blast you in a mean way. He says, I'm going to draw you in and invite you to live kingdom-minded lives, to partner in his work with him, to be a blessing to others, and to bring glory to God. This is really good stuff. This is good stuff. The promise here that by living the good life, living in a way that lets you be so content with every area of your life, and then we get the promise of his provision for all the things we need. It's a total win-win. God's promises are so good. We need to grab hold of them and hang on and refuse to let go. We need to we need to decide we are going to live our way into the grave, hanging on for dear life to every promise of God, because it'll make it an adventure, but oh man, there's not any other way to live. So do we do we not serve an amazing God? We do. We absolutely do. So do we ever? Okay, so we're gonna take this promise. We're going to take this promise to the streets, so to speak. We're going to, I don't mean I want you to go outside and start screaming this, but I want you to actually live this. Let's live starting today. Let's live like we believe it because we're not unbelievers. And so we're not going to be dominated by things that run rampant over those who don't believe. Not going to do it. If it runs rampant over them, it's not running rampant over us because we have a living hope. We have a living savior. You're a marked man. You're a marked woman. You've been marked by the Lord for his kingdom purposes. And you can live that way. You can live that way starting right now. Okay. Um, Wow. I feel really super, super duper like preachy today. So, um, oh my goodness, if it was too much, I've said it before. I'm too much a lot of the time. So I'm sorry if that was too much, but if it wasn't too much and encouraged you, would you share this episode? Would you tell your friends about this podcast? Let's seriously Let's get the promises of God into the people of God, because this is life-changing stuff right here. So thanks for listening. Um, Lord bless you. Lord bless you. Have a great week and leave me a comment and let me know if any of this challenged you or inspired you or blessed you. I love to hear back from people who listen. It really, it doesn't just make my day, it like makes my week. So uh, God bless you. I'll see you back here next time. And uh, 
Remember, this promise is for you today. All right, bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.